Welcome to Season 2 of the Handsome Conversationalist Podcast. For this season, I've been leveraging tools at my disposal, aka Reddit, to get guests from all over the world. These folks and their stories are amazing, and I'm incredibly proud to present you with this episode. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Handsome Conversationalist Podcast. Back by popular demand, we have... B expert Brooke Nicola with us today from the University of Minnesota B Squad. At the time of recording, it's late February, so going into springtime. And Brooke is here today to talk about what bees are doing now and is there anything we need to be doing in preparation for spring. So without further ado, I welcome Brooke Nicola. Hi! Thanks for having me back. Brooke, I'm so stoked to have you back. I want you to know that I've gotten several comments back. They're like, we need more B uh, B episodes, so bring back on a second time, and I, I'm here for that. <laughs> awesome. Oh my so, god, it makes me so happy. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, it's a favorite. This the the topic is incredibly fascinating. You do a great job with it, so I'm stoked that you could squeak me into your schedule. Uh, before we dive into the topic, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself for the folks that haven't heard from you yet? Yeah, so I am Link's cousin. I work <laughs> for the University of Minnesota Bee Squad, um, and I've been there, I think, going on six years now, coming up in May. Um, and I love bees, if you couldn't tell from the first episode and <laughs> from what's going to have it in this episode um and i also am a hobby beekeeper so i have bees myself um in our backyard here and yeah that's a little bit about me in a nutshell and you're so humble too for anybody who is tuning in b is uh brooke is the real deal when it comes to bees i mean the the university that you work at the organization that you uh serve with the people that you're you know doing you know working side by side with this is this is a renowned organization this is the real deal so stop being so humble you're a rock star own it <laughs> that's what's like funny too is like I work with Dr. Dr. Marla Spivak, and she is a world-renowned bee expert, um, a MacArthur scholar, like all of this stuff. And like when we're at work, I mean, not right now. We can't go to into the office right now. Um, but when you're around Marla and everyone at the lab, everyone's so humble, and it's just like, you know, like she just likes to be herself, and and it's like we're a big family. So. It's a really humble environment, and it's a really great environment. I love to hear so, it. I love my coworkers, and that's one thing that I like want to tell everyone is find a job where you love your coworkers because seeing them every day and like talking to them every day, like you have to like who you work with. So it's today is the 27th of February at the time of recording. So it's late February coming into March. What what are bees doing right now? Yeah, so it depends on what bee you are. Um, so we'll just start with honeybees. Um, and it depends on if you are, I'm talking about <laughs> you like you're <laughs> I am a bee. I am okay. a listener. I am a bee. <laughs> it depends what type of bee you are. Um, no, so right now there's honeybees that are 
out in California. And those are owned by commercial beekeepers. And then there are the bees that um, I'll say are like hobby bees, um, like in the people's backyards, like mine, for instance, are in my backyard and they are um, just hanging out. And so the commercial beekeepers make their money on pollination services. And so at this time of year, almonds are blooming in California and honeybees are really the only bee that can pollinate almonds. And so it's a huge industry um, that needs beekeepers, that needs a lot of beekeepers and a lot of honeybees. And so commercial beekeepers will move their operations out to California this time of year to pollinate all of the almonds. Um, and they'll be out there for a few weeks during the bloom. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a lot of people, um, like this isn't the best practice. Like almond fields take up a lot of property in uh, California and they use pesticides obviously to keep their almonds um, good because I'm pretty sure like a hundred percent of the almonds in the United States comes from California. Wow. And I think it's about 80% of the world's almond supply comes from California. And wow. so it's a really big deal. Um, and commercial beekeepers get paid per colony. So I am not sure what the going rate is this year, but usually it's about 200 something per colony. Um, and commercial beekeepers have thousands of colonies. Some operations are bigger than others, um, but beekeepers could be sending 20,000 colonies out there. Um, and so they make a majority of their money for the, the year at this point in those almonds, um, which a lot of people don't know. Um, commercial beekeepers really don't make money from honey. Um, honey actually is, um, I don't know what the, the price per pound is right now, but it's really low. I think it's under a dollar or around a dollar. Um, and so commercial beekeepers aren't, don't make money from honey. Um, and what was I going to say? Oh, so a lot of people don't like the almond industry um, because it one really isn't great for honeybees. Like they're out there and the, there's not much else blooming in these almond fields because it's just acres and acres and acres of almonds. Um, and it takes a lot of water for the almonds and the bees are exposed to those pesticides. They don't have like the variety of pollens and nectars coming in. Um, and so a lot of bees do leave California um, after the bloom and not looking that great. Um, but when the bloom is done, those beekeepers then move their bees out. Um, and it depends on the, the commercial beekeeper. Um, some will bring them to Texas um, to build them up and sell for package bees. Um, hobby beekeepers are ordering their package bees right now. Um, which is you can get bees in two or three pounds. <laughs> um, so they send them in like this little box, um, this either screened box or like a plastic box. Um, the plastic ones are called bee buses. <laughs> um, and so they're about, I think the going rate this year is about $160, $170 for a package. Um, and it, uh, hobby beekeepers will order their package bees and they will start a new colony in the spring that way. Um, some of them. 
so some commercial guys and i i say commercial guys because I would say probably 90, I'm going to go a little bit low, 95, 96% um, are men. And it's a big patriarchy in the family. So it's like great, great, great grandpa started this bee business. And, you know, it usually gets passed down to the son. Um, so that's why I say commercial guys um, trying to get better at being a little bit more inclusive with it. But it's just kind of the fact is that it's a big... Um, Predominantly male, male field, sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I don't know. I know you and I had talked about this, but I don't know if I mentioned that on the last podcast is, or the last episode is that um, what's cool, really cool about the B Lab is we're mostly female, um, and we actually do get quite a bit of respect from a lot of the commercial guys and other scientists, researchers, and stuff. Um, so that's really cool. Is we're this big industry that's mostly male dominated. Um, but then there's us at the B lab that are mostly female. So, um, we're kind of changing the tables there with that. There you go. Very cool. Um, but, oh yeah, back to, okay. So some of the commercial people will come out of California and they will go down to Texas. Um, some go back to, uh, Georgia, um, in the South and do their bees there. Um, and then some will continue on for pollination, other pollination services. Some will go to Washington for apples. Some will go to the East coast. Um, I think for blueberries. Um, and then a majority of them will come back to North Dakota for the summer and do honey production there. So North Dakota is like the top honey producing state um, in the country. And they have been for like seven years in a row wow. or something. Um, and it, if you've ever been to North Dakota, it's a lot of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's surprising that the bees make honey there and that it's a great honey producing state. So that's so cool. That's so there was, there, there was yeah, so much yeah. in there that I learned. I was going to say, I, I, there was so much in there that I learned. I had no idea about the almonds. I had no idea that that was a big thing. Well, um, and so you mentioned about uh, hobbies, uh, hobbyists, mm -hmm. bees. You mentioned that they were hanging out. So are bees, are they hibernating? Are they literally just chilling out? What's the sitch? Yeah, I was going to move on to um, Oh, no. I beat you next. to it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um. So the, I guess like hobby honeybees, I'll just call them, um, are thermoregulating right now. So um, what they do when it gets under 50 degrees is they cluster together. Um, and the bees that are produced in the fall have a different physiology than the bees that are produced in the summer. So like if we say summer bees, are physio physiologically, um, I guess, designed. That's not really the correct word, but um, they are only meant to live three to four weeks. Um, some live less, some live a little bit more, depending on if they're a forager, if they get eaten by a bird, if I, you know, that kind of stuff. But they are meant to die after three to four weeks. The bees that are produced in the fall 
have more fat bodies in them. And so they are meant to live through the winter. They're meant to live months. So it's crazy that somehow I, we think that it might be the shorter days. Um, but somehow the bees know that they need to start preparing for winter and they need to have more fat bodies um, to survive the winter, which I mean, we need, <laughs> we all get more fat bodies during the winter too, right? That, no, that is so cool though. That is so cool. It's like, hey, listen, you are going to yeah. last several months and, and right. that's just so cool. What? Yeah. So in the fall, it's, really important i know we're talking about spring but in the fall it's really important for beekeepers to have their varroa mites under control because that really is that kind of pivotal point to help those bees survive the winter um so bees in the midwest need 75 to 100 pounds of honey to survive one of our winters um, and they need to be healthy um, and so that means being as disease and virus free as possible and to have as low mite levels as possible. So when they're expected to live a few months, they don't, it's not good for them to start their life out with a lot of varroa mites um, because varroa vector viruses. And so the more varroa, the more viruses possibly. Um, we're doing a lot of studies on that. Um, but it's really important for those winter bees to start out as, as healthy as possible because winter is stressful. It's stressful for the bees, it's stressful for us, um, just as people and as beekeepers. Um, so these bees go into winter, um, hopefully with 75 to 100 pounds of honey as mite free as virus free as possible um and they just hang out they hang out in a cluster um so under 50 degrees the bees don't really fly um and and that's because they're when it gets cold they don't like their flight muscles don't really work um and so what can happen if say when it was minus 13 degrees or whatever it was a while ago. Um, and bees weren't clustered and they, you know, like happen to fly outside. The cold puts them in a cold coma. Um, and I think other insects do this as well. Um, but honeybees, if you get them cold, they will go to sleep. And if you warm them up again, they'll just like come back to life and start flying around like nothing happened. So, it's interesting when you check bees in the winter um, and you get back to um, your house or whatever and you start taking off clothes and bees start flying around um, because you brought them inside and they warmed up. And so now you have bees in your house or one time after work, I went to uh, the gym and uh, I started hearing a bee fly around <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's mine. Oh. Um, because they're so tiny and they just kind of like hang out in like the layers of your clothes sometimes. So it's all part of it. But um, so under 50 degrees, they don't leave the hive um, and they cluster together around the queen. And you can think of it as like, so they're protecting the queen. They're keeping her warm. She's in the middle. 
And you can think of it as kind of like a coat. So the inner worker bees that are clustered around the queen are like the heater. And then the ones on the outside are like the coat that kind of keeps that heat in. And so what they'll do is they will actually shiver their flight muscles um, to heat up. So that creates heat. Um, and they will rotate in and out. So they'll take turns being the heater and the coat. Um, and they keep it about, I always, I guess the temperature is wrong, I feel like. Um, but I, I think the middle of the cluster is about 60 degrees. Oh, wow. Um, in January, early February. Um, oh, so the queen stops laying eggs in the fall. I forgot to say that. So she stops laying eggs. There's no more new bees being made um, in November. Um, so they keep the temperature at about 60, 70 degrees. This time of year, um, late February, early March, the queen starts laying eggs again. And we think it's the longer days that kind of trigger her to start laying eggs again. Um, and so the colony will ramp up the temperature to 80, 90 degrees because they're starting to raise brood and brood needs to be a little bit warmer. Um, so they are really, really good at thermal regulation thermal regulating their temperature. Um, they can control the thermostat, I guess you could say. Um, and so while they're in this cluster, kind of moving around, keeping the queen warm, they're also moving to eat honey. And so the colder it is, a little they eat a little bit more honey. Um, the warmer it is, they eat a little bit less, um, which you would think would be the opposite, but um, so they kind of shift their cluster left to right over this to find new honey. Um, and they use the honey to fuel the heating. Um, and so a lot of beekeepers here, we use Langstroth hives, which if you've ever seen a bee colony, um, it's a stack of boxes that's vertical. Um, a lot of beekeepers um, like to use, I guess I wouldn't say a lot, um, there's beekeepers that like to use top bar hives, which run horizontally. Um, and I feel like those beekeepers have a lot of trouble keeping their bees alive. Um, and that's because honeybees like to move up. Okay. They like to be vertical instead of horizontal. So if you think about it in the winter, the way these boxes are set up and the way they're clustered, it's easy for them to shift up in a box versus trying to go like down around a frame and then move on to the next box. Oh, sure, um, sure. Yeah, so they kind of um, like to move up in the box and find that honey above them. Um, and so, yeah, the bees are just chilling in the hive, keeping warm, starting to make new bees right now um, and eating honey. That's so cool. Listen, I have so many questions and I apologize. Yes. I apologize in advance if, if, if any of them are silly, but the first oh. question that I have is, is on, is you mentioned package bees. So you yes. no kidding receive this box in the mail and it, there's bees in it. I mean, are we talking yeah. an, an Amazon package that you just get bees in? What's the, <laughs> 
And what, so what's the story? What do you do? Is, is this something that you're like, oh, got to open it up? And, I mean, what, I wouldn't even know where to start if I got a box full right. of bees. Yeah. Um, I love packaged bees. I love hiving packages. It is so fun. I will remind me when this is done, I'll send you um, some pictures of packaged bees. So we can include them on, on Instagram. I'm in. So people yes, can see please. What it looks like. Because, yeah, it sounds insane. But what I suggest, um, so Fleet Farm, I know, sells bees. I think Walmart sells bees now. What? Ignore, ignore the big box stores. Don't. No. <laughs> so <laughs> what I suggest is finding your local beekeeping supply store. Um Van Lake sells bees too, and a lot of the like beekeeping suppliers are kind of branches of Man Lake, if that makes sense, or distributors. Um, so find your local beekeeping store, get local bees, that's always best. Um, but what you do is you order a package, um, and you can get them um, from California, from southern states. Um, I'm not going to go into too many details, there's a little bit of difference between where you get them, but if you're a new beekeeper, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if you get Italian bees, carniolan. Um, those are kind of the only two bees you can have um, in the United States because they're docile. Um, Russian bees are starting to kind of take over in the bee world, I guess. Um, so those are kind of the only bees you can really have in the United States. Um, but you pick what species of bee you want. And if you want two pounds or three pounds, I believe two pounds of bees is about 10,000 bees. Um, and three pound, I think, is about 20,000. Um, and so you get this package of bees, this little box full of 10 to 20,000 workers. And you get one queen in there, too. And um, you basically take this box of bees and you dump it into your beekeeping equipment and you have it's there <laughs> like like pouring out pouring a bot like a, a bowl of cereal you just pour it out yeah well yeah you have to take the queen out and they have like a, a food can in there so you take the food can out you take the queen out keep her safe in your pocket and you dump the bees into the box you just dump them out this is the coolest conversation I've ever had in my entire life. Listen, you just take the queen and you just put her in your pocket and then you just dump the bees out. Shut the front door. Yeah. You that just is... dump them out. And it's like a waterfall. Just like all the bees go in the box and then you spread them like pizza sauce with your high <gasps> And you put the frames in and you release the queens in a cage. So you release the queen from the cage. And you give them a pollen patty, you give them some sugar syrup, and they're in there. And they're good to go. What? That is fascinating. It's so fun. It's that so is fun. fascinating. Okay, so uh, how many do you have then? As a, I mean, you're, I mean, you're a bee expert, but you also you have some. So right. how many bees? How many bees do you have? Well, I have two colonies. Um, as of the fall. Okay. Um, not sure how well they're doing. I haven't checked them yet. 
Um, my guess is they're not going to survive this winter. Um, and that is, I think, a couple reasons. Um, okay. I, have mo- I had moved them from Wisconsin, um, and they're now in Minnesota. And we are on a farm, and I noticed a lot of, um, it's called entombed pollen, which is pollen that has pesticide in it. And so what the bees do is somehow the bees know that something's wrong with that pollen. We don't know how they know um, or why they do this, Um, but the pollen we think has some kind of fungicide in it. And the bees will make this really, really thick wax coating and they will, excuse me, they will put the thick wax coating over the pollen. um, And that is like a stop sign that says, nope, do not eat this pollen. Do not open this pollen. Um, just know there's something wrong with it. And so I've noticed quite a bit of entombed pollen in my colony this year. Um, and just the bees were, were kind of having queen issues. And I mean, it's not surprising to me. Bees don't live forever. Um, right. So it's kind of a normal life cycle for um, you to get a packaged colony um, you have them that year, you get them through the winter, and then you divide them in the spring. Um, okay. Because your colony will come out of winter, um, usually if they're healthy, pretty big. Um, and their natural response in the spring is to reproduce. And a colony reproduces by um, swarming. And so if you've ever seen this big ball of bees in a tree, Um, It's called a swarm. And just like a package of bees, um, so packages are super, super docile. And that's why it's so fun is I still wear a veil just because I hate getting stung in the eyes. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Oh, man. I I love that. I'm not, I'm never wearing a veil ever again. Oh, my Um, so I like to still wear a veil and I usually wear a beekeeping jacket um, because one thing I didn't mention in the winter is um, bees don't poop inside their colony. And so when they're in that package or they're in the hive in the winter, they hold their poop until they can leave to poop. <laughs> and so it's like <laughs> when it gets about, you know, like today would have been a great day for bees to do. We call it cleansing flight. Um, oh, I can't. Was... Yeah. So it's like a panic poop. Like they fly out <laughs> and they poop as fast as possible. And then they go back in because they don't want to get caught in a in cold coma. So <laughs> when you're hiving bees, they get out of that cage and they're like, I'm just going to crap everywhere. I am learning so, so much today. Oh my goodness. <laughs> They're like, it's a nice day out. This is a good day to go take a good bee poop. I got to be quick though. Right. Oh my goodness. Right. And just like any other poop, bee poop stinks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, as fun as hiving packages is, you want to have like a layer that you can take off after. Because you stink. <laughs> oh my goodness. I believe it. And it's yellow. It's the color of pollen. So if anyone wonders, uh, bee poop is the color of pollen. It ranges Ugh. from light yellow to brown. <laughs> that should be a trivia. That should be a trivia question. That is, 
That is seriously unreal. So, um, I mean, but so let's just say you go out there and you check on your bees and they're not doing so hot. You would then, uh, you know, so like if you you're assuming that they're not doing so hot, are you just going to order a couple more and then start over now that you're moved into your new location? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I imagine yeah, so the stress of the move. Is, yeah, that. Okay, I can go off on a couple tangents here. Uh oh! All right, hit me. As you know, I just no, I guess not tangents, but like I just like to ramble, and like the more like I say stuff, and the more questions you ask, I just think of more things to share. Oh, I have so, a big, I have a big question too to ask too. So you start here, and then I'm just hold gonna on. hold. Yeah, I'm gonna hold my things. question. Yeah. So, finish my other story. So, you divide the bees, you know. Sure. And swarming, blah, blah, blah. I can go more into that, but we'll just... Okay, so we split the colony into two. And then that next year, you kind of expect only one colony to make it through. Because honeybee queens these days, like, years ago, they could live five to ten years just fine. Now, they live maybe two, three years. Um, and so it's just kind of natural for those bees just to kind of die of old age. So that's kind of what I'm looking at now is this is, um, this was our third season with these bees, um, splitting them and stuff. Um, so it's not super surprising to me um, if the bees don't make it. And so what Tyler and I, um, are looking to do is he really wants to try Saskatraz bees, um, which when these first kind of became a thing, I called them Sasquatch bees because Saskatraz was too hard for me to remember. <laughs> sure. Um, but they're kind of um, a Canadian bee, I guess you could say. And so they are meant um, to, I guess, or they're bred to be a little bit better in our winters. Um, so yeah, what we do is get a package of probably Saskatraz and we would hive them in our existing um, equipment and they would just build up this summer, maybe make some honey for us. And then next year, probably split them into two again. Um, so I'm thinking we'll just start with one, just better safe than sorry, um, in case it is a bad area. You know, you don't wanna have too many colonies um, and have them starve because there's not enough food sure. um, or exposure to pesticides. So then with that, I'm gonna move on to moving bees because it's so fun <laughs> to talk about. So what we did is, so honeybee colonies, like you can, you can just put them in your truck and move them. Um, and so what we did is we moved them kind of during the heaviest part of the year, which I don't advise because 75 to 100 pounds of honey plus the weight of the equipment they can get pretty heavy wow um so we prefer to move bees like in the spring if we're going to move colonies um but basically what you do is you just um put some like mesh over the entrances ratchet strap them together and pick them up and put them in the truck wow that's cool like it's super easy and that seems you want easy. To, you want to make sure that you move them more than two miles from their current location um, because bees orient to their hive and each hive has its own smell. And so 
when you're moving bees, you have to move them miles away from their current location or all of the bees that oriented to their previous location are just going to go back there. Um, <laughs> and so we moved them a few hours away. So it's fine. Uh, once we opened it up, they just reoriented back to their own location. So bees can see color. Um, they can perceive the color red though. Um, and they can, well, they see in the ultraviolet, so they don't see the same colors we do, um, but they can see color and they can identify shape. So with two colonies next to each other, um, sometimes people paint them different colors or paint like a circle on one and a triangle on the other, um, just to kind of help so they don't drift into their own. But these are super smart. That's so cool. I, I mean, I have, like I said, I've, I'm learned every time I talk to you about bees, I learn something new. <laughs> I'm always learning new stuff about bees too. And that's why I love it so much is like, there's always stuff to learn. That's, that's wild. And we're just, so we're oh, just talking about honeybees. Like yeah, this... there's thousands of other bees that we can talk about too. You know, I am bringing you back every season of this podcast and we are going to talk about a new facet of bees because I mean, like yes. I, like I keep saying it's, it's a fascinating topic. It's something that I could, I, I enjoy learning about and I know other people enjoy learning about and you break it down in a way that helps me. I, I if I can understand what you're saying, that's a good thing. Cause I'm not into science. So mm-hmm. are you ready for my big question though? Are you ready? Yes. And it's so, it might be so silly. Oh no! It's not. Well, this podcast just became not safe for work. No, I'm just kidding. But listen, I I am so curious, and I'm asking the right person. Mm-hmm. But how do you become the queen? Yes, this is so fun. Okay, so where do I start? Okay, so there's only one queen in the whole colony. So there is height of summer, there could be 60,000 worker bees in those boxes and one queen. And there's some males in there. We talked about males last time. They're kind of irrelevant, but (laughs) so there's one queen. And a lot of people, um, one think bees, like there's like, I guess the queen is a king and they call the workers like males. And I think we talked about this last time, that's not true. It's a big matriarchy. And so the one queen doesn't rule. She's not like an actual queen. Um, She just has this queen pheromone. um, And that is why the colony has like, each colony has their own scent is because each queen smells different. And so the queen pheromone gets spread by all the bees. They use their antennae and they touch the queen and then they touch other bees. Um, And so the bees know that she's in there somewhere in those three boxes with all those bees. They know she's in there um, and they know when she's gone. And so if the queen um, dies for some reason, usually it's the beekeeper that kills her. Um, So we call that um, an emergency queen cell. And um, I'll talk about this in a second, but I'm just going to say like the three reasons why a colony makes a queen. So the first one is um, if they're going to swarm. So those are swarm cells. 
The second one is supersedure, which means that they are replacing the queen for some reason. Um, usually the beekeeper doesn't really know why. Um, and that's why you should always trust your bees and don't just kill queen cells when you see them. You have to figure out why they're making them. Um, and so the second one, like I said, is supersedure, which means they're replacing her usually because she's probably not mated well enough um, or she's sick for some reason. And then that third one is the emergency, which means she just dies. Um, and usually, like I said, it's because of the beekeeper. They squish her on accident or they drop her. Um, queens, after they mate, can't fly. They're too heavy. Um, so once they get back to the hive after their mating flight um, and their ovaries develop all the way, they're too heavy to fly again. And so they just kind of, they can't really leave the hive. And if they do get dropped out of the hive, um, sometimes she just can't get her way back in. Um, and so somehow the bees can tell almost right away that that queen is gone. And what they do is they find eggs that have already been laid in the colony and they um, usually choose like three day old eggs. So a bee is an egg for three days and then they're a larvae um, and then they pupate. And so they usually get um, a three day old egg and it, you can tell it's a three-day-old egg because when they're first laid, they're straight up and down. And on the third day, they lay flat in the bottom of the cell. And then they turn into a larvae. And so the bees are looking for a three-day-old egg or a first instar larvae, which means the first day of their larval stage. And what the bees do is they make food in their head and on a normal day, they're making just regular brood food, which is a proportion of protein and carbs, so pollen and nectar. Um, and they're feeding this brood food to the eggs and the larvae. If they're like, oh crap, like we don't have a queen, they change the quality of the food in their head. So they make it a higher quality and they start feeding those third day eggs or the first instar larvae that um, higher quality food, which we call royal jelly. And that change in food is what determines if a bee develops into a queen or a worker. Just the food. <laughs> I am Isn't shook. That, that is wild. And so a queen too develops faster than a worker and it, so the workers they don't have a queen or they want to replace her or whatever um they'll feed a bunch of different eggs and just kind of get you know to get the best chance possible um that the queen's going to develop right because there's queen issues um you know when beekeepers open the hive um they usually make queen cells at the bottom of of frames sometimes um like for swarm cells they'll make them on the bottom um, emergency, they'll kind of just make them wherever. Swarm cells, they tend to make kind of in the middle of the frame. Um, so as a beekeeper, if you see queen cells, you can kind of figure out where they are on the frame and you kind of can figure out that way what kind of queen they're making. Um, but so sometimes queen cells get squished. Once the cell gets open, 
Um, the larvae is considered dead and the bees just clean it out. They eat the royal jelly um, and move on. And so they make a few different queens. Um, and then the first one to emerge usually goes and kills all of the other ones. <laughs> oh. um, or if there's two that like emerge like at the same time or three or whatever, they will fight each other to the death. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I've said the word wow 80 times this show, but <laughs> oh my goodness. I had no idea. That's why that, that question's been blowing my mind. It's how do they know? How do they decide? How do you become I the know. queen? People ask that all the time. I want to say that's one of like the top questions I get when I do um, talks is like, how does a queen become a queen? And it's, <sighs> it's just the food. It's insane. I love it. I absolutely love it. That was that was my big ask, honestly, because that I mean, I'm now it makes sense. Easy. Oh, I thought that was I thought I didn't know. I told you I don't know very much <laughs> about this. I thought I did. I I knew I wasn't going to stump you with any question that I ask. I just thought this is this is the this is what I need to know. <laughs> yeah. No, I love it. All right. So I think I mean, listen, we have done quite a bit of chatting back and forth already on these topics. And I think that I actually, I know if you're willing, you're going to have to come back because we have a lot more <laughs> bee discussion to talk about, but hey, do you have any, you know, last minute ads, any uh, additional two cents you'd like to add before we wrap up this episode? Um, I'm trying to think if I like left off on any like uncomplete or incomplete um thoughts or sentences i'm just trying to think if i finished all my thoughts yeah we'll have to talk about swarms because that spring is like swarm season and like early summer so that's what time what time what month would what, what do you think june so yeah. you're so you're coming may, back in june. may yeah so you're coming back in may <laughs> okay <laughs> I, I mean, I'm here for it. I, I'll do an episode a week if you want. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Brooks B spot. <laughs> <laughs> let's change this into into yeah, Brooks B's podcast. Listen, let's get you. A, yeah, I was gonna say we can get you a podcast. <laughs> I, I'd listen to it. I'd subscribe. So then, um, ooh, I did have a question and I lost it. So yes. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'm gonna. I was like, oh, I'm going to ask this. And then I remembered, I didn't remember that question. Yeah. That's well, what editing is for. Talk about, we didn't talk about the other bees either. Like at the beginning, I was like, oh, it depends on what bee you are. I know. I loved that. Because they're so fascinating. Well, that's so what's like, the thing. Oh, okay. Oh, go ahead. I can do this in, I can do this in a couple minutes. And I just Hit talked me. over you. Sorry. Oh, so, it's totally fine. Bumblebees. Yeah are like wasps. So wasps and bumblebee colonies, they die in the fall. They die after the second hard frost. They are meant to do that. So in the spring, we get so many emails about wasps. Well, not so much the spring, but like middle of the summer, like July. All the emails we get are about wasps and people want us to come get their bees. They're wasps. Um, so wasps and bumblebees die in the fall and 
their queens over winter. So the bumblebee queens and wasp queens are in the ground somewhere or I don't know, wherever they are, usually in the ground. Um, and so what happens in the spring is they'll, excuse me, emerge from their little um, diapause and they will start their own hive. So bumblebee queens, when you see bumblebees in the spring and even early June, um, you're probably seeing a queen and it's gonna be really big because the queens are bigger. Um, and so what the queen will do is she'll start her hive on her own. She'll do all the foraging, all the egg laying, all the brood feeding, um, cleaning of the hive until she gets enough workers to do it for her. And then she doesn't have to leave. So that's bumblebees right now. And our solitary bees, um, the, I never know what to call them because it's not like they're a queen and they're not really, I mean, you could call them a mother, I guess. Um, so solitary bees live on their own. They don't have um, any colonies. And so what they do during the summer is they make their nest usually in a stem or in the ground and they will collect pollen. They'll make a pollen ball, they'll lay an egg on it and build a wall of some kind. So leaf cutter bees use leaves. Um, cellophane bees use like the waxy stuff off plants. Um, lots of cool stuff there. But so they'll build, they'll spend all summer building their nest and then they die in the fall. And that nest either in the ground or a stem will, um, the larvae will pupate and they will pupate for either one to two years. Um, so your stems and stuff in your garden, um, give them two years and then the, the bees should all be emerged from it before you like burn the sticks or whatever. So in the spring when you're doing your garden, clean your stems out and kind of put them in a pile. Like if you don't want to see them, like put it in a pile somewhere and let the bees. Okay. I think I did that in like a couple minutes. You did so good. <laughs> all right. So then if anybody is looking to get a hold of you, do you have an Instagram account that I can send them to or? Um, I have to, I think it's, I'll send it to you. I think it's Brooksome17. Okay. I was going to say, otherwise, if you want me to send them somewhere else, but it's like, if you would like to get in contact with Brooks, uh, Brooke, not Brooke Summerfeld, Brooke Nicola, how? Legally, I'm still Brooke Summerfeld, so it's fine. Yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a horse shoot. That's what that is with the sending your passport yeah. in and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to get in a pandemic. Aww. Um, Yeah, so it's Brooke Sums. B-R-O-O-K-E-S-O-M-M-S. -S. Love it. Yeah, so if you need, if you want to get connected on some more B stuff, go ahead and hit up Brooke. And uh, that's that's it. That's the show. I can't thank you enough for coming on and, and dropping knowledge left and right on the topic of bees and you're coming back that's that's it i've already decided we i haven't even we haven't even stopped recording yet but thank you again so much for taking the time i really appreciate it yeah oh i love it this is so fun Conversationalist podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show as much as I've enjoyed creating it. 
this podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next episode. Please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to it, as it really helps the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. Thank you.